Brick Moon Fiction presents Far Flung by Kevin R. O'Hara, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. Endless columns of numbers and charts with so many colored lines that it would take a master artist to decipher between the light blue line marked Sample 529 and the slightly lighter blue line marked New Control jumped all over the screen before being replaced by dull blackness. The power had gone out once again, but at least this time I had the presentation automatically backing up my changes every few seconds. Nothing would be lost, but that didn't stop me from grunting in frustration as I removed my glasses and rubbed my eyes. I reflected for a moment as to whether any of it mattered. Was this really the way we were meant to communicate with one another, with cold data and endless graphs? Before embarking on my latest trip to the circuit breakers in the garage, I looked out the window. The boy was playing in the backyard. It was good to see him running and laughing as he hadn't done that much since we moved here. I felt terrible that my job had uprooted my family from our previous city, and worse that the transition of new office responsibilities had me working weekends. When I wasn't poring through data reports trying to get caught up on trends and projections and other terms I would have to throw around in the week of work meetings, I was helping Heather to unpack the house and, presently, figuring out why the circuit breakers were tripping so frequently. My only theories involved poor electrical planning on the thermal water heater or that the house was haunted. All of this meant I felt like I was not giving Caden, my eight-year-old beautiful blonde boy, the proper amount of attention and support, as I'm certain the move was hardest on him. He was personable, but it still would be nearly impossible to make new friends until the school year starts. Heather and I used to pride ourselves that he was never content to be endlessly entertained by television or video games, but in the current situation I secretly wish that I could have appeased his anxiety with a TV and game controller. Heather, far more practical, wished that Caden would develop her love for crafts. The kid was too active, though, and I nearly forgot about my computer frustrations as I watched him run back and forth in the backyard, throwing a ball at the back fence. The move had not been easy on Heather as well, though it is hard for me to tell as our relationship hasn't felt close in years. I keep meaning to talk to her about it, but never does it seem like the right time. Doug? My wife's voice from the second floor broke me out of my trance. The power's out again. I know, I called back. I'm on it. I hoped my voice sounded like a man on the verge of solving the problem, but I have a feeling she could hear my annoyance, and I just hope she didn't think it was directed towards her for yelling down to me. No such luck, though. It's the third time today, she added pointedly. There was a cleared, narrow path in the unnaturally cold garage through walls of boxes directly to the power box. I squeezed my way through and examined the unit, flicked some switches, and then reset the whole thing. All of the unfamiliar house hums came back to life, and I grabbed a cup of coffee on the way back to my makeshift den to continue sorting through reports. Once again I lost track of time for a couple of hours and just happened to look up at the clock as Heather came in. She had spots of maroon paint all over her torn old concert t-shirt and ripped jeans, and a little in her sandy blonde hair which spilled out from ladybug pattern handkerchief cap. My wife was a mess. There was a time when I would have found this look endearing. Dinner time? I asked. Dinner time, she answered. I stacked up some papers and locked up my computer, something that I felt no need to do at home, but the work habit was far too ingrained at this point. As I got up, Heather said, I need you to talk to Caden again about not wandering away from our house. Where did he go? I sighed. He was talking about how he was playing fetch with the neighbor's dog at the end of the street. Heidi and Mark's dog? I asked. Heidi and Matt, she corrected me, 
which was good because I had only met those neighbors once and I could see myself calling the man Mark for years. I think. Or maybe Heidi and Mitch, I don't know. The weird ones with the orange RV. We entered the kitchen and Caden was already at the table eating his macaroni and cheese. Hey, sport. I nodded to him and he mumbled something back that could have been, Hey, Dad. Your mom tells me you were playing with the neighbor's dog. Heather shot me an accusatory glance, indicating that my tactic should not have been to put this back on her. Yep. You know you aren't supposed to leave our yard without asking us first, right? Yep, I didn't. So their dog was in our yard? Nope. Normally I was good about getting directly to the point with my son and resolving these issues. Somehow the eight-year-old had thrown me for a loop. Well, I floundered, just stay in the yard. Or ask us first. Okay. And with that, he returned to eating his dinner. I decided not to look over at my wife as I somehow knew she wouldn't see this as a resolved issue, and I just wanted to eat. It would probably all be forgotten shortly anyway. Dinner ended hours ago, and I'm still angry with Doug. I realize he's preoccupied with starting the new job, but he uprooted our life and brought us here without really understanding the toll it would take on Caden and me. It feels like I'm left to unpack the entire house, cook all the meals, and raise the child by myself. This move wasn't my idea, and I'm not yet seeing any benefit from it, other than a little bit more money. I'm having a hard time remembering what the benefit was even supposed to be. I honestly don't know why he was so insistent on it. The man is impossible to read sometimes. Doug's been squirreled away in his room all evening, avoiding me because he knows we will just fight again. And Caden, poor Caden, is in the basement throwing his ball against the wall. He's so bored, so utterly bored and lonely. I tried to play with him, but he wasn't interested in that. He preferred to play with an imaginary friend rather than his own mother. This made me feel even more abandoned. How did we get to this point? Wasn't he done with imaginary friends? Has the trauma of the move caused him to regress? My mind wasn't focused, and the painting of the bedroom walls suffered for it. After another unfortunate splotch of paint on the carpet outside of where I carefully laid down plastic sheeting, I decided that I needed to be done for the night. I wandered to the kitchen and could hear Caden's rhythmic throwing of the ball against the wall coming from the slightly ajar doorway to the basement stairs. He was saying something between each throw, which I didn't pay much attention to at first. But then something about it struck me as odd. There was something very conversational about it, like he was talking on a phone. Do you have a mother and father? he asked. And then he tossed the ball at the wall. It made a popping thud. After a few seconds, I could hear it bounce back on the floor and into his hands. My mommy's name is Heather. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I don't, he said, and then he threw the ball again. I moved closer to the stairs as I cleaned the paint from my hands. The ball returned, and he said, That's cool. Do you have lions there? I quietly walked down the steps into the cold basement and peered around the corner. What about elephants or giraffes? Caden, I asked. Who are you talking to? Obviously, I startled him as he dropped the ball when it bounced back. Oh, Mom, that's my friend, Jahim. I felt silly as I looked around the empty room and then asked, Was Jahim one of your classmates from the old school? No, Mommy, I just met him. We're playing ball. For the first time, I looked at the ball he was bending down to pick up. I don't remember seeing it before and would have remembered if I had packed it because of its unique look. The ball was slightly smaller than a basketball and had a weird multicolored sheen on it, which made it difficult to pinpoint its actual hue. 
It almost had an ethereal quality to it, and, if I didn't know better, would almost say it gave off a subtle glow. This was likely a trick of the fluorescent basement lighting, which I made a mental note to replace with energy-efficient track lighting when I got to working on this portion of the house. Caden, where did you get that ball? Did Dad get it for you? No, Mom, an angel gave it to me. What do you mean an angel gave it to you? I tried not to let the worry appear in my voice. Last night, the ball appeared in my room and I saw a person made of light. He floated outside my window. He threw the ball to me. We played catch together. Okay, um, well, why don't you come upstairs now and get ready for bed, honey? Can I play ball with Jaheem tomorrow? He held his ball tight to him as he climbed up the stairs. Sure, honey. I helped him get his teeth brushed and his pajamas on, gave him a kiss, and he went right to sleep with a smile on his face, still clutching the ball like he used to hold his stuffed animals. I went into Doug's room and startled him by turning on the light, as he had obviously been too involved in his computer to notice that the room had gotten dark over the past hour. Or perhaps he just wasn't used to me checking on him, even long before the craziness of the move we tended to avoid each other. I'm not sure when or why my marriage took a turn, but at times it felt like we were two strangers occasionally sharing space. Doug, did you give Caden a new ball? What? No. Why? He quickly closed his computer, embarrassed by the amount he was sinking himself into his work. Either that, or I suspect I might have interrupted some other online activity. Do you think this house is haunted? I asked. His expression changed, and he looked at me strangely. I was thinking earlier that that would explain the odd power outages. Wait, what are you getting at here? I don't know. There is something weird about how he plays with his new ball. Haven't you noticed? No, of course not. You've been up here. He talks to some boy named Jahim. Is there a way to find out if a little boy died here? You sound crazy, you know, Doug said, but then humored me by opening up his computer closing a bunch of inoffensive charts and starting a search on the internet. After a few minutes, he said, As far as I can see, no little boys lived or died at this address. I can't even find the name Jahim in this town. Is this what is really bothering you? Ghosts? Oh, shut up. You know how basements creep me out. Caden was talking with someone. The ball is weird and he said an angel gave it to him. I'm just... Never mind. I'm going to bed. Don't stay up too late. Don't forget to hang a crucifix over the bed, he laughed as I left. Yep, I'm still angry with Doug. I think Mom and Dad fought yesterday. They are mean to each other a lot. I don't like moving. After eating breakfast cereal, I went outside again. I'm excited to see Jahim again. He's fun. I pick up my ball and toss it to the back fence. The fence goes away and Jahim is waiting for me. He's a little older than me and looks different. He smiles as he catches the ball. Where did you go yesterday? He asks me. His voice still sounds funny to my ears, but I know what he is saying. He tosses the ball back to me. I had to go to bed. It was my bedtime. I threw it back to him and he caught it, like he always does. Why did you have to go to bed so early? It was the middle of the day. I could see it was getting dark out behind him. It's weird. It was bedtime. Do you have tigers there? He caught the ball and laughed. No, you always ask about animals that live far away from me. Do you have alligators there? I don't know. I haven't seen any. You're fun to play ball with. He laughed again when he caught the ball. I like you. I liked him, too.
I can tell he and I have lots in common. My wife is not crazy, but I'm suspecting that I am. I passively acknowledged that Caden was playing ball in the backyard again as I readied myself for my first day at the new job. The morning had been frantic even though I wasn't expected to be in the office until 1 p.m. I hadn't noticed the oddness of the ball at first. I thought it was just a trick of light as the sun reflected off of it when he tossed it at the wall, but then I stopped and observed. The ball disappeared. Caden would throw the ball towards the back fence and the ball would just vanish, like it had gone right through. After a few seconds, the ball would emerge back through the fence from a nearby spot and fly directly into his hands. He did this time after time, and I was equally in shock at the ball disappearing and reappearing as I was of his coordination in always effortlessly catching the ball as if it were a homing missile. I called out for Heather before remembering that she had gone out to the market for the morning, or that's where I assumed she was going. She rarely lets me know things anymore. I went out into the backyard, and my son heard the door and let the ball drop to the ground. Hi, Dad. I'm playing with Jahim, he waved and smiled at me. I wasn't sure what to say to him and simply asked, Can I see your ball? He picked it up and handed it to me. The ball was light and shined like a rainbow when I moved it around in my hand. It was warm to the touch. I can't describe the feeling of holding something so bizarre yet familiar. Can I throw it to Jahim? If you want, he lives in Cameroon. I held the ball in my hand for a few moments feeling it and studying it, then I gingerly tossed it at the back fence. It flew unevenly through the air, hit the fence, and fell with a thud on the ground. The way it dropped and the sound it made did not match up with the weight of the ball I had just held. I walked over, picked it up, and tried a couple more times to no avail, and then looked quizzically back at my son. Maybe it only works for kids, he shrugged his shoulders. What did you see? My friend Jahim. He's taller than me. His skin is a different color, and he has long hair. He's fun. Did he give you the ball? No, the angel did. The angel told me to just to throw it, and I would find a friend. I thought for a moment. Maybe the ball needed some form of intention. Oh, wait, how could a ball need anything? What the hell was going on here? An idea struck me. I held the ball tightly to my chest and thought hard about sending it to its owner. I then tossed it at the fence and got disoriented. I could see through the fence, but instead of seeing the neighbor's yard or some unknown location, it seemed like a mirror. The ball made a popping sound as it went through the wall and instantly flew back and into the hands of my son. He smiled and tossed it back to me, but not through the fence mirror, just directly at me. When I caught it, I heard his voice in my head, though I swear his lips didn't move. Thank you, Dad. I love you, too, is what I heard. The warmth of the ball went all the way up my arms and into my core. I shook my head and tried to take all of this in. I wasn't sure if what I just saw was real and my mind searched in vain for a logical explanation. Caden, I'm going to try playing with someone else. Is that okay? Okay, Dad. I grabbed it close to my chest again and focused my entire mind on the previous owner. I thought of angels and ghosts, and then I tossed the ball. The fence warped out of existence as the ball flew into a star field of light and darkness. I could not comprehend what I saw floating in the middle of it. The person did not have a hand or arms or legs. He or she appeared as a translucent torso with dozens of flowing appendages of tube-like light swaying in all directions from it. I sensed that the head or intelligence was near the center, but there was nothing to focus on there. 
not a blackness but an emptiness that must have been filled with something not of a spectrum that I could perceive. The being swelled up and deflated as it began to talk to me. The ball spun from three or four of its thin, glowing, hose-like arms and, with virtually no effort on my part, landed directly in my palms. Greetings, was all it said. Actually, I'm certain it did not say greetings in English, but that is what I heard in my mind as my body washed over with both external comfort and internal fear. Who are you? I stuttered in amazement. Who are you talking to, Daddy? The angel? Yes, son. The starfield began to retract and fade away, and for a moment I panicked, not knowing what to do. Throw the ball back, Dad, Caden simply stated. I don't think he could see what I saw, but he understood through experience, I'm guessing. He was amazingly perceptive for being so young. I threw the ball and the starfield expanded again, and the being engulfed it. I could see the ball within it and couldn't figure out if its body was gelatinous like a jellyfish or dense like stained glass. When it tossed the ball back, I heard its soothing voice again in my head. I come from far away. I figured that, like another galaxy far away? I waited for an answer and then realized I was still holding the ball. Apparently it was instrumental in continuing the communication, so I tossed it back. It caught the ball again and, after a moment, lobbed it back through the transparent fence. Upon contact, my mind was filled with a vision of a gigantic purple nebula and a bright red star. I've seen pictures similar to this from NASA, but the enormity and detail of it was mind-shattering. This was the being's home, and as different as it was from my world, I felt a familiarity with it that I could not explain. This was home. Her home. How are we communicating? I asked, and this time tossed the ball back. This was the start of a rhythmic conversation where each statement was accompanied with the catching of the multicolored ball. You may call it a quantum ball. We cannot travel to your world, nor you to ours yet. The quantum ball, however, is not bounded by physical distance. So essentially this is just an intergalactic cell phone? Was that rude? How was I being so conversational when faced with something that should be turning my entire world upside down? No, it is for play. It's for, wait, for play? You're just playing with me? I'm not sure. What? I don't understand. It is a ball. It is for play. Why? Your question makes no sense. Do you not understand what it means to play? I understand play. It's just I'm talking with an alien species. This is big. This is significant. Play makes it sound so trivial. Then you don't understand play. Play is important. Play teaches. With your sports, you learn competition and balance and strength. With your games, you learn cognitive puzzle-solving and critical thinking. With your make-believe, you learn to experiment and imagine. But this is just a ball. I mean, I suppose you learn dexterity, but we aren't even playing a game with it. This is not just a ball. This is a quantum ball. It doesn't merely transmit sound and image. What does it transmit, then? I asked, almost fearful. Empathy. It sends thought and emotion and context. It is the most basic form of true communication. I thought mathematics was the universal form of communication. So cold and not true. Try speaking numbers to one of your dogs. We learn through play. The quantum ball is one of our simplest and important tools. 
I see. And I did. So why have you given it to my son? We are beginning our contact with your planet. Your fictions and your wars indicate that your species could react with hostility to that which it does not understand. We don't wish to take you by surprise. So you send these quantum balls to our children to make them trust you? Is this mind control? It does not control one's mind. Perspective is shared. It seeks to build commonality between individuals, not to impose the will of one creature over another. I felt a little embarrassed that I had reacted precisely as she expected my species would, with suspicion. The feeling passed quickly as I could just sense that she harbored no ill will to my reaction or me. I restated, So this ball is meant to build trust between your species and mine. That will take time, and, given our distance, we have no reason to rush matters. We have sent hundreds of quantum balls to your children, but not to learn empathy with us right away. We wish for you to learn empathy with each other first. I thought on this for a bit. She was right that our countries, religions, races, and genders rarely saw eye to eye. We humans did have a long way to go in understanding ourselves. I was shaken out of my internalizing when the starfields started to slowly fade. Without a question, I quickly threw the ball back. We will not talk again, Douglas, or at least not for a lifetime. It isn't just your children that can be taught. You hold the ball now. You can start learning to empathize with anyone, with any species, anywhere at all in your world. Douglas, who will you toss it to first? My shopping cart was completely full, with no room for the jumbo pack of paper towels. I thought for a moment about leaving it for another time, but I was close to the exit and I just had to balance it for another twenty feet or so. I made it about two feet before it tipped over, and to my surprise, a gleaming ball appeared from behind where the paper towels had been and hit me right in the face. Ow, I said, and looked up to the weirdest thing I've ever seen. My husband and part of my backyard were superimposed over the checkout lanes. He was smiling like an idiot in spite of my disorientation and sudden anger. I smiled. Nothing was right about this, but the comforting look of my husband somehow made it feel all right. For the first time in a decade, I felt I really knew him. Don't get me wrong, I panicked and screamed, getting all kinds of glares and stares from other store patrons, and I think I knocked over my whole cart. Mom and Dad are happy again. They've been tossing my ball to each other for days. They have been laughing and smiling. That makes me happy. But I want my ball back. Kevin R. O'Hara enjoys employment as a creative director in the video game industry. He originally hails from Spencerport, New York, but promptly moved to the West Coast after graduating from Ithaca College's film school. He has worked various roles in the film and video game industry over the years, most of which involve creative writing and game design. He currently resides near Seattle, Washington, with his lovely wife, awe-inspiring daughter, and energetic Kieshond. Find him on Twitter at JoltedKev. If you enjoy what you've been hearing from the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast, please head over to iTunes and write us a review.